Welcome back, my fully shining women. I'm Megan Gilroy, and we're here exploring how to be a fully shining woman leading our world, what the heck that even means, and how it affects everything in our lives, the roles we play, and the ways we make a difference and impact the world. And so this week, we are talking about being hard on yourself. And I recently had a shift with that harsh, critical, you're not enough, you're not doing enough voice in my head. It was honestly a little ouchy. I can't believe I was treating myself that way. And I try not to talk to other people, friends, children, my husband, that way. So today, we're going to explore the hidden ways we might be hard on ourselves, how that shows up in our life, and what changes in our life when we ease up. So it promises to be a deep and meaningful conversation, and I'm here with my husband, Jamie, so can't wait to dive in. Glad you're here. think it is so easy to be hard on ourselves, especially women. We often are critical about how we look and how our partnership is going. Are we working enough, working inside the home, outside the home, taking care of people well enough, getting our exercise in? Are we healthy enough? Oh my gosh, there's just so many levels and layers to it. So I noticed for myself that the way I was hardest on myself was I just worshiped my to-do list. (laughs) And my whole day, even my weekends, were revolved around what was on that list and did I get it done? Did I get enough done? And usually I put too many things on my list that were even humanly possible to accomplish in a day. So at the end of the day, I would always feel discouraged, like I wasn't doing enough. And that would just feed that voice in my head saying, not enough. So I'm, I'm just curious, because there's been a big shift in me over the last few months around not being so hard on myself, being much gentler and kinder. And I'm just curious, because you would often tease me about my lists if you've, if you've noticed a shift or a change. I'm so happy that you've invited me to talk about, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> about your list. <laughs> I, I, as you were speaking, I, it's so funny, and uh, I can't uh, profess to know the Bible well at all, but I did go to Sunday school as a boy, and I remember something, uh, you should have no false idols, or there's this whole story (laughs) of like this golden calf, and people were worshiping this gold calf, and that was your to-do list. (laughs) I was like, I had this image of you bowing down and and kneeling before this golden Mm -hmm. calf called your to-do list, Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because it, it was like... You would throw a stone in a calm lake, 
and then those concentric rings go out. And, and to me, that was your to-do list. Even when you came in the house after work at like six o'clock, I call you, dinner's ready, you still were ruminating or, or contemplating, had you done enough? Right. And and did you get everything on your list? And I what could, was my to-do list when I came inside the house? Yeah, and I, I could see your, your brain working to sort of go, okay, now I'm shifting into inside the house, you know, mom mode, mm-hmm. but there's still a to-do list, you know, and, and here it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to get the lunch packed and this done and that done. And, and uh, it's been quite a revelation. Uh quite enlightening actually <laughs> to see you um jettison your to-do list uh in a big way mm-hmm. like i just don't get the sense that that is your primary objective i've got a list and i got i got bust those things out so i'm curious like how that's going <laughs> yeah it feels amazing i i feel like I'm much more in tune with setting an intent or tuning in to feeling into what feels right and important today to to accomplish. I mean, I am running a business and I do have things to do around our home like all of us do. But I think the real shift for me came from, you know, I think early on in my personal growth path, I was always shooting on myself, right? Shooting? Shooting, yes. Not shitting. <laughs> yeah, shooting. <laughs> that, you know, I should be um, making more money. I should be, uh, I should have more friends who live close by. I should um, organize the house better, whatever those shoulds were. And as I did my inner work, a lot of that got quieter. But what I realized was the the last big golden calf, as you were saying, had to do with my worth being tied to productivity. Mm-hmm. And I had this harsh voice inside of my head, this critical voice that was always saying, you didn't get enough done or you're not accomplishing enough fast enough. And when I really heard that and Felt how unkind that was to myself. That really got my attention because it didn't feel like it was about me directly. It felt like what I was doing. And so there's a little kind of kind of break or disassociation there. But when I really heard how mean that voice was and how unhappy it was making me and started shifting from this more, I would call it the masculine way of setting goals and checking things off, right? Being super focused, not taking a rest, not including pleasure or any of any of the funner things in life that and, and shifted more into the intuition and the stillness and the downloads and the, okay, what feels right? It is still a balance. It's not that I never jot things down to do, but I can see I took all the gazillion projects and ideas I had that I used to store in lists and would just feel like I could never, ever get to all them and really simplified it into, you know, what's the next step? What's right now? What's exciting and alive for me? 
Well, I got to say, I mean, I think that that was a huge part of your program growing up, you know, being uh, such an uber achiever mm -hmm. and, and I would say goal oriented, which is in essence having a list, right? And that's how you navigated your world. You got these things done, you moved on, you created a new list, yeah. you moved on. And I, I'm curious because that voice, that harsh critic that we all have, when did you start to recognize that that was actually doing more harm than good? Because a lot of times the critic could say, hey, you didn't get enough done. And it's a little bit of a whip to spur you on to accomplish more. And I think that was something that you had going on for a while. But then there was this like moment where you were like, well, wait a minute, that harsh voice spurring me on doesn't feel good. How, how did you like identify it and then maybe put it, not put it to bed, mm -hmm. but either make friends with it or, or put it somewhere else and just say, thank you. No, thank you. I'm curious, like that process for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I did have that perfectionistic overachiever <laughs> program installed and when when I just noticed that mostly it would come up because I realized I was making myself crazy, right? Like I had to create the perfect birthday cake for the kid's party or I had mm. to do 20 things for the kid's birthday party or um, the house had to look just so as if, you know, some magazine's going to come in and take a picture of it. And when I realized how much time and attention I was putting into things that didn't necessarily matter and you know now you and I sometimes joke because you walk in our mudroom and there's boots everywhere and <laughs> mud everywhere mud. <laughs> dog hair everywhere you know at a certain point in our relationship like that would have never been everything would have been perfectly put away and nothing messy about it and we've really relaxed into that takes a lot of energy to hold that standard but I feel like I want to know, like, what happens to the critical voice, that judgmental voice? Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to come back to that. Did you make friends with yeah. Like, okay, okay we right? We yeah. shifted, and we don't really care about dog hair and mud. I mean, it's part of life. You know, we clean it up when it needs to get clean again. But how did you, how did you, I want to know yeah. that relationship. Okay, so... So I feel like over time, I watched myself soften. Like if you looked at my outside world, you wouldn't have necessarily thought like, oh, Megan's someone who still has this harsh, critical voice inside of her head. Yeah, right? not at all. So what what helped me catch that, and I know a lot of people work with their inner child, right? It's like that part of you that um, if you're upset about something, you're angry about something, if you tune into... <laughs> Who is that inner child? What does that inner child need? You can soothe yourself and you can work with your emotions. And so I have been doing that for a long time. And I think that really helped me soften that voice. Mm -hmm. And then I started realizing that I also wanted to work with an inner mother. And mm -hmm. I could hear that voice in my head, which was causing me to feel resentful and frustrated and stressed out and just like never it was never enough I could never do enough right and I wasn't 
you know, I didn't feel like I could relax into, you know, hanging out on the couch with the family or having a silly moment with the kids because I was always just like pushing to get the next thing done. And so when I realized that I wanted to invite this inner mother in, you know, we all have our biological mothers or the mothers that raised us and God bless them. We all do the best we can with what we know. And some of us have mothers that are more loving and kind and others of us have had mothers that are more judgmental or critical. And what I realized is that I wanted that voice in my head to be the kind of mother that I needed. Mm-hmm. And so not your bi- not say your biological mother right. who raised you a certain way, right. but you wanted to create this new uh, another voice in my head. Another voice of a mother that you're creating out of the qualities that you wanted. Right. Got because it. I think I know this for myself. You know, as a mother, I do my best to mother Taya lovingly, and I don't always meet her needs. Right? Mm-hmm. I might be tired, or I might be grumpy, or I might just not understand what she even wants. So, for me, it was regardless of what kind of mother I've had, or what kind of mother anyone's had. What would be that the qualities of a mother that could mother you the way you want? And so for me, it was realizing I'm like, oh, I want warm, soft love. I want compassion and empathy. I want deep understanding, deep listening. I want kindness. And so whenever a voice would come into my head, the critical judge, that would say, you're not doing enough or, you know, this or that isn't, isn't right or good enough. I would take a moment to take a breath and I would invite that inner mother to come in and respond to that part of me that was pushing and judging and, you know, cracking the whip. And that mother would usually say something like, okay, it's all right. Come here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, everything's okay. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a hug. Right. You know, let me listen to what's going on. And as I did that, I realized, I'm like, wow, I would never, I would never speak to other people the Uh way that this critical voice was speaking to me. I wouldn't do that to my friends. I try not to do that to my children. And it, I think it also really changed what, the way we interacted with the kids because you and I have had these conversations about if you and I have even a slightly harsh tone in our voice, mm-hmm. you know, do the dishes or pick up your shoes or whatever we parents say all day, every day, the it's, kids would amplify it. Yeah. <laughs> pick up your socks. Uh, it would just get amplified by the children right. and they would pass it back and forth to each other. And so I realized that this voice in my head wasn't just affecting me. It was affecting my kids and everyone around me because there would be times when I would have that edge or tone to it. And so now it's, I feel like that, that part of me that's so judgmental was so judgmental and critical is pretty much dissolved because of the retreat the inner retreat I went on where I really looked at my beliefs and where were those places I was still like withholding love from myself. I 
can feel that now almost before that critical voice can even get a full thought or sentence out, like if there is even a little bit of that energy, I can feel that inner mother just step in Mm -hmm. and be that soothing, calming, it's okay energy. And yeah, that's, it feels pretty amazing to feel that shift inside of me. Yeah. Well, I've noticed it and I've noticed how it has translated to how we are speaking to our kids and helping them when they say make a mistake or do something uh, that they, I, I can see how they immediately go to that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm bad or I didn't do that right or whatever it is. So I'm, I'm sort of, wondering like where does this come from like how do we get this program installed is it something that our families gave us i feel like almost everyone has that critical voice it's not like we're all raised the same way i know just the other day uh there was something that a teacher uh had made a quote-unquote mistake on and they said oh thanks for for catching that that was dumb that was a dumb teacher moment right and i thought to myself like why would you say that about yourself like that's such a harsh thing to say calling yourself dumb so i see it's just it's it's insidious i mean it's everywhere people are constantly judging themselves on how they did something i know for me personally when i make a mistake or i do something uh, like break something or if I was doing carpentry and cut something wrong, I would say a, a bad word, <laughs> probably starting with F, my favorite bad word. And I would have a moment there where I would be like, ah, oh, dude, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. Right. And very, very harsh, but just for a moment. And then I don't know why it doesn't linger. And I'm wondering, like, why that is. I don't know why that is in my makeup. I'll make a mistake. I'll feel it fully. I'll say something to myself, like, you're an idiot or whatever it is, and then move on. But it's still there. But it's still there. And I think that's what I hear you saying. And I love this this image of that mother who is like, it's okay, honey. Let, come, let me give you a hug. No big deal. You spilled spill the water on the table or spilt milk, we'll clean it up. It's okay. And I I think that's, that is where it comes from because I mean, I've seen this with both my children where they've spilt water and I'm like, Oh, like so annoying. We got to clean this up versus me going like, oopsies, you know, go grab a paper towel. Yeah. And I, I feel like we all get that program installed when we're children, right? Because we're, we're looking outside of ourselves for love and attention and approval and the adults in our world have their own agendas, their own priorities, their own wounds, their own fears. And based on their response to whenever we do something wrong, or it might not even be wrong, it might even just be that whatever whatever you're wanting or needing in that right. moment. It didn't it, match it didn't our match expectations. Up, right? So we right. make we make we start developing that voice of like, I must have done something wrong or you know, I got punished for doing something wrong or I got scolded or whatever the whatever the story is. And that just gets installed so deeply within us. And 
you know, if you really look at human evolution, I feel like for me, I didn't have really models of of someone who was really on like a spiritual growth path or a personal growth path. Mm-hmm. And it even though I started that path for myself in my 20s, I see that, you know, our ch- our children have that program installed in their head even though you and I are relatively aware and we try <laughs> try not to do that. Right. And at the same time I see a big difference in you know, the way our older child responds to himself versus our younger child, just because I've softened Mm -hmm. and I've changed versus all the, you know, subtle ways that we communicated when Bodhi was little about what the house should look like and how you should dress and what environment you're growing up in and what expectations are and how well you should do in school. And I, I feel like we have such an opportunity right now as more awakened and aware women, we have such impact on our families. And so, you know, whether it's modeling that quieter, gentler voice to your children or, um, you know, bringing up topics at the dinner table that are uncomfortable and sharing your own struggles of how you're working through that or admitting you made a mistake to your kids and apologizing or showing them how you're changing or making it right all those all those pieces i think are are ways that we're actively changing installing that voice in our in our children's heads Mm -hmm. and that's going to create a kinder gentler world because for me it's like if i can't be truly kind inside of myself how am i going to be kind to you how am i going to be kind to someone who seems different than me how am i going to be kind to the planet? How am I going to be kind in how I show up in a heated situation? And I I really believe that we have to start within to make that change. And if we can all develop that relationship of that softer inner mother voice. And, you know, to me, part of it is not trying to make that critical voice wrong or bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Not not scolding <laughs> Another critical or voice shaming. criticizing right. the critical voice. Exactly. Yeah. Like not shutting that voice. Like you shouldn't be saying that or like, oh, look at me, there I go again with that voice. It's like the antidote is love. So you need to love that voice and accept it and allow whatever emotions it brings up to move through you so that you can have a different relationship with it and that will extend out into your world. So help me here, because I really want to understand the the technique, I guess, or the shift. So for me, when I make a mistake, I do something, I break something or whatever it is, I have that instant like F-bomb, mm-hmm. right? How, how do you create a pause? Like... I hear what you're saying. I love this mothering, the love, and and I feel like that is easy to do afterwards. But it's in that moment, like for me, that like if Taya spills water at the table, which she seems to do on a regular basis, right? You know, I can feel that that first reaction is ah, oh, right? Like you said, ah, oh, now we gotta clean it up. I can feel that's dialing back a little, but I still have that instantaneous, in most cases, 
of, ah, you know. So how do, is there a way I can hit the pause button there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's first, a process before over I have time. That. Well, I think first is to just notice you have that reaction, right? Because if you don't, if you're not aware that you're doing that, you don't have any chance of making a different choice. It's such an automatic right. for So me. first you, you, you catch it afterwards, right? You, yes. you hear yourself say it or you notice the expression on your child's face or you feel what that feels like inside your chest. Mm-hmm. So starting out, you may catch it after the fact. And the, to me, the mother would be saying to you, isn't that great? You noticed that you did that. How wonderful is it that you caught yourself as opposed to saying, oh, look at you. You just did it again. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. the, that inner mother can still have a response after it's happened. I see. And then over time, you can start to to maybe go, oh, and before like the words come out of your mouth, you catch it and you might have that initial like, oh, oh, you know what? You just spilled your water. Whoopsies. And like you can change what's coming out of your mouth and just make that gap shorter and shorter between what you're thinking and what's coming out of your mouth and each time praising yourself, supporting yourself through the process Mm -hmm. until you get to the point where maybe you just think it and you catch it. Maybe even before you think it, then you're, you've now repatterned yourself to have a different response in the way you speak to your child or the way you speak to yourself. And I think it, you know, we're kind of using, more tangible outward examples. But I think this happens a lot in really subtle ways where your, you know, your, your friend puts on a dinner party or you're, you know, thinking, oh, I need to go to bed earlier every night. And you have that kind of should energy or that judgmental energy. And for you to notice, you know, some people pick it up more in how they're feeling. And they feel the constriction inside of themselves. They feel some tightness or some some just like pulling back energy. And other people hear it more. They hear the voice in the head and they hear themselves, what they're thinking. So to me, it doesn't really matter when you catch it, how you catch it. But to with loving, gentle kindness, with that mothering energy of like, hmm, I'm curious, can I, can I try to catch those moments where I'm shitting on myself. I'm hard on myself. I'm comparing myself to others and soften. Just keep softening. Yeah, that's helpful. I appreciate that. I can see uh, in this conversation, just contemplating, I can see how hard I am on myself. Like I don't like to make air quotes mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? And when I do, I do have that like, oh, you you know, there's a lot of criticism there. And so what I want to talk about here um, for a moment is how I can see I'm transferring that to my children. And like, if I'm that hard on myself, Mm -hmm. imagine how hard I'm going to be on them when they make a mistake. So... (laughs) I'll, I'll tell a quick story on it. it. It just happened last night, so it's super fresh, mm. and I think it will make sense. Uh, I was making baked potatoes for dinner, and I love to uh, kind of roll them around in olive oil in a bowl and season them up and then put them on the oven rack with a tray underneath. Well, I must have used a lot of olive oil 
and the oven's at 425. Well, suddenly the whole kitchen's filled with smoke. Mm -hmm. A friend, uh, the father of one of Taya's classmates, came to pick her up, and we were talking, and all of a sudden the house is filled with smoke. And he's like, well, what are you cooking? <laughs> <laughs> so that began this whole uh, funny situation, or not funny, funny, not funny, uh, the smoke alarms on our house are all interconnected. And so the entire house now is going off. And it's loud. Yeah. And our son Bodie was up in his room. His bunk bed is inches <laughs> from the smoke alarm. Okay? Poor guy. So I'm opening doors and windows, turning on fans. The poor dogs were in their crates because <laughs> we had someone coming over to pick someone up and they get all excited. They're like going, what the heck's going on? I wasn't so, I was sort of not upset at myself for doing that. It was more like trying to mitigate the smoke issue and get the smoke alarms to turn off. And finally they turned off. And Bodhi yelled down, I think I broke the smoke alarm. And I was like, what? You know, being a firefighter, I've been in many houses where people disconnect their smoke alarms. So I was like triggered right away by that. So I ran upstairs. I'm like, what are you doing? That's so stupid. Why would you disconnect that? He's like, it was inches from my ear. I said, we'll move to a different room, right? So I could see in that moment where I got amped up because of what was going on and then triggered by the whole smoke alarm disconnect thing that I've seen and been part of. And now I'm blasting him and calling him, you know, stupid or whatever for disconnecting it. Yeah. It's a hot potato, right? We do that yeah. so often because we want to take the discomfort. Potato is still a little. Okay. It's I forgot. a, a little ironic. bit of a wound there. So. But how, I mean, that's so symbolic. I, I mean, I can even feel in you telling the story. I can feel my adrenaline sure, agitation right? just rise a little bit. Right. And of course, anytime we feel that uncomfortable sensation, we want to discharge it. So instead of us saying, oh, wow, I'm going to soothe myself and turn to my inner mother. Instead, we're like, hey, I'm going to direct it to someone outside of myself and hot potato, pass it on. Yeah. And I, I just see that we're constantly doing that in our family, in our world, and I mean, it, it just amplifies, right, on a national stage or in politics or in hot topic issues. So I just feel like the more we can catch ourselves and get gentle and realize, oh, wow, my nervous system got triggered or my wounds got triggered or I'm somehow triggered. How, yeah. how can I first and foremost take care of myself and get myself back into a centered place? And this is not perfect by any means. Right? Yeah, right. So it, the learning curve is steep. But there is a technique that I would use often to not say something. Because I tend to say whatever comes through my mind. Yeah. I do have a filter, but a lot of times I ignore it. But that three-second delay like they have on television, when mm -hmm. somebody says a bad word and they can bleep it out. I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> they probably don't. I mean, who cares now? Everyone, you know, they're saying whatever they say. But... That three that three second delay, like so in this case with Bodhi, you know, I could feel um amped up. I knew why I was amped up, and then just hit that three second pause. And and he didn't break the smoke alarm, he just disconnected it, which is, you know, I reconnected it, reattached it, and you know, moved on. I did apologize to him later. Uh 
But this is great. This is really revealing because there's that mother. Let's say the mother is existing there constantly with that critical voice. And if she's able to say, oh, it, oh, sweetheart, it's okay. You know, in that moment where I'm walking up the stairs, angry and frustrated that he may have broken the smoke alarm, just have that mother's voice say, it's okay. Why don't you just see what happened or ask questions, mm -hmm. right? And that's going to mitigate that critical, that, that voice that's going, you made a mistake. Right. Now I'm going to make you pay for it. Because in my world, I make myself pay for my mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do. We pay for our mistakes. I made a mistake. If you can do it once and say, oh, geez, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And then move on. Right. But, but we, we have that repetition. We of like, pay for the same mistake oh, yeah. over and over, right? Every over time we over. remember a mistake in the past. Every if, time we remember. Exactly. If we haven't had that soothing or that reconciling of it or that inner mother to say, it's okay, you can let it go, then we end up remembering it and causing the same agitation and frustration inside of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So I am curious, just since we're talking about inner mother, like, does this resonate with you? Or is there some piece of you saying like, oh, I need an inner father voice that somehow soothes me or um, speaks to me in a different way? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious from a guy's point of view, what, what is useful to you? That's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer. I do like the image of the mother uh, because I feel like mothers are are generally more gentle in their uh, acceptance of how you're presenting, how you're showing up. Um, I think that's a hard question. I, I mean, I don't, growing up without a father, I, I don't necessarily have a good answer for that. If, if a father's voice would have been better for me. I don't know. I don't know what that's like, right? Mm -hmm. I only hear my own voice as a father and how it's directed to my children. And I got to say, I'm really getting uh, a lot of help from you in this conversation and just the way we've been shifting, you know, the last six or eight months of how we're interacting with our kids. I see like, for me right now, legacy comes up where I'm like, okay, well, what, how are my kids going to remember me? Was I that really intense, harsh, you can do it right father? Or was I the father who's like, oh, yeah, let's clean this up and have a laugh about it. Or let's, if we cut this wrong, let's recut it and, and make it right. You know, part of my saying when I had my renovation business is we all make mistakes. I was way easier on my crew when they made a mistake than I was on myself. Mm. I said, it's not that you make a mistake, it's how do you fix the mistake, right. right? And so maybe that's the father's voice, you know, in the role of a business owner and, and having a crew of guys. I had that voice available. I didn't know where it came from, but I was way more compassionate to them uh, not right away, but as I grew my business and understood how to manage people better, it was way more compassionate and more like, okay, well, let, here's how I'm going to show you or here's how we're going to solve this together. Um, I do like that the mother energy of, of love and saying it's all okay. There's dog hair, there's mud, 
there's a, a smoke alarm that's dis disconnected. It's okay. We can make that right, mm -hmm. can't we? And take, take me by the hand and say, we can make this right, right. together. And sometimes there's situations <clears throat> that you can't quote unquote make right or are messy and hard and challenging. And to be able to sit and hold space for that, right? I think we're talking about an archetypal energy, mm -hmm. right? a divine feminine energy that is that compassionate, receiving, loving kind of energy. And I, I just want to touch on, you know, sometimes when this, this kind of awareness comes up of like, oh, wow, I have this critical voice in my head and it's been coming out of my mouth, you start to notice it in the people around you, right? And uh -huh. what I see is when you're in that place of, you know, I can tell you're going like, oh, Jamie, what did I just do? It doesn't necessarily help for me to point out to you, hey, you're being critical right now. Or even if you're speaking that way in, with the kids, like in that moment, it's not necessarily helpful to try to make that shift. Right. But I have noticed that when I come up to you and um, give you a hug or just say like, hey, what's going on? Or is there anything I can help with? Or is there anything you need? And like come with curiosity as opposed to I need to fix this or any kind of judgment or, um, you know, like like some, some idea that I need to fix somebody or change something outside of myself. It, it just seems like it softens the situation mm -hmm. and it allows for that overall transformation between our relationship and the dynamic of the kids to change. So I think I want to just end on that and that invitation of gentle, kind, hmm. soft energy and see, see what changes. Yeah. Let that permeate our minds and our worlds. Yeah. And for, for me, I just can feel so much more relaxed I feel like as obviously it's changed our, my relationship with you and my kids. I think it changes the energy I'm like putting out there in my business. It, it feels different with my friends. It, it just feels like this one shift of being easier on myself has literally rippled out through my world. And that's my, that's my wish for everyone. Yeah, and burn your to-do list, people. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to sacrifice our to-do list. All right, so we're going to come back with a intentional nudge, and let's be gentle and kind. So let's do an intentional nudge this week. That's easy. To pay attention when... You either hear that harsh, critical voice inside your head, or you hear that tone come out of your mouth. And instead of judging yourself for doing that, see if you can invoke that inner mother and reassure yourself, praise yourself. Hey, good job. You, you heard that voice. You caught it and even send yourself a little extra love. Now, I'd love to hear how this goes because it may not be easy. And that means coming over to Fully Shining Women Leading Our World on Mighty Networks. And this is a place where 
smart, conscious, capable, caring women on our personal growth, spiritual growth paths gather together. We share all sorts of resources with each other. We cheer each other on, celebrate each other, see and hear our struggles and our joys. And I'd love for you to join us. You can go to sisters.fullyshiningwomen.com and I hope to see you there. Now, here comes the part where we hear from one of you. And I want to introduce you to Julie, precious, determined Julie. She is a coach from Canada. And like so many of us, she can be hard on herself. This happens at work and with her family and even with this podcast. And for her, it's a work in progress. It gets better crops up again. And so she is going to share how she helps herself when she gets hard on herself. Let's listen in. I must have recorded this segment maybe 13 times. Um, and the tape that was going on, the inner dialogue was, went a little bit like this. Oh my goodness, this can't be less than stellar. Um, what if I don't get reinvited? What if uh, people's perception change following this, uh, this little segment? I have found that it's really helpful to have phenomenal people around myself, positive, supportive people like the Fully Shining Women, um, people who can help me reframe the situation and uh, give me perspective. So some of the things that have really helped me uh, over the years is to understand that self-care goes a long way in the cure to being so extremely hard on myself. Uh, getting sleep, getting some Z's, catching some Z's will really help me have perspective as opposed to uh, blowing up a mistake out of proportion. Um, doing exercise, eating well, but surrounding myself by fully shining women who are so positive, that's been one of the keys um, because such people, you know, are just incredibly helpful in helping me see myself as a perfectly imperfect human being. And I find that that really makes a difference for me. Okay, so here's where we do all the things. We like, share, follow, review this podcast. And I am going to make a deep request from my heart to yours that if you know a, a sister, a mother, a friend, even even a guy or someone who doesn't identify as man or woman who might benefit from this podcast, would you please let them know? I'm counting on the worldwide woman web to spread this message, spread the love and create the community that we're all craving. So Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I love you and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye.